0: You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, I am back. This is Matt Williamson in the Locked On NFL podcast. Got back last night from Jacksonville, five nights there. It was fantastic. Um, Got you guys some episodes before I left, so you got a little taste of me, but it's been a while. I feel a little rusty sitting here at the bar. Um, lots, not lots going on. So it was a good time to take a little break. I'm going to take another vacation at the end of July. And then when I get back from that one, I move in with the Steeler training camp and I'll be full systems go until next July, basically. So that's what's going on here. And you may, you may recognize that little chuckle in the background. One of my favorite guests from the Locked On Network, Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns. What is up, brother?
1: Uh, not much. Uh, you know, like you said, like this is, you know, it, it's hard right now to try. And the one thing we I keep trying to tell my listeners is if I can't put you on a solid show with great content, we're going to take a little more time off. I mean, we're still mm-hmm. getting a four to five a week, but we're just trying to do the best we can. And look, with this time of year, you just want everything quiet. You literally want to get to about 11 o'clock at night and take the Sharpie and say, okay, one more day closer to camp. Nobody's hurt. Nobody got arrested. Just one more day closer. And then, you know, let's just get to, you know, whatever it is for uh, the Browns. The 24th players arrive. 25th practice starts. Let's just get to those days, and that's it. You know, I mean, you're basically christening the 2019 season right then and there.
0: Yeah, yeah, well said. And it it is really time to take vacations and things like that and don't manufacture content. And there are some cool studies. Some of the analytic folks are doing some really good work right now. I was reading Football Outsiders did an analysis of – Um, you know personnel groupings things like that are coming out so there's still work to be done knowledge to be gained but the reality is there's not a ton and it's funny we're recording this on Monday evening and really the biggest story in the football world and it's super cool how it's come about is the Scott Fishbowl and I didn't realize when I asked you to come on both of us are participating Um, I might even make a whole show out of it tomorrow from a fantasy perspective but as of right now um, I've made two picks, and you've made one. You're about to make another. Maybe you'll even make one while we're live here on the air. We can talk about it if it comes up. Um, but can you explain a little bit what it is? I just want to tell our listeners it's a really cool thing going on. And then I just wanted to bounce a couple of things off you about it and then lead into the Browns.
1: Um, well, I think the first thing's first. The coolest thing about it is you know, everything Scott does here, it's for charity. It's yes. The fantasy Cares, and – I believe last year, I, I I don't want to miscue the numbers or, or you do them wrong, somewhere in the $30,000 range. And if you check Scott's page and you check the Fantasy Cares page, I mean, literally out in front of Toys R Us and Targets with, you know, nine, ten deep shopping carts, you know, buying Christmas presents for kids who otherwise wouldn't have them. And look, we all do this for fun. Um, And look, there's plenty of leagues where we're in where there's money involved. Right, and this right. Look, it's give a, give a little bit back. Let's feel a little better about the fact that we know, so you know, look, we're gambling. We know what we're doing. So, hey, let's at least do something good with all of this. Um, and I think that the coolest thing is, is just the way the community aspect of it is. Um, obviously, the fantasy community just gets bigger and bigger year in, year out. There's guys like me and you who dabble kind of in both sides of it. You know, the, the straight football side of it, the, the fantasy side of it. Um, and I believe this year it's up to almost 1,200 participants. It's amazing. Uh, you yeah. know, yep. Men in the industry, women in the industry, uh, you know, just a bunch of fans who, you know, try every year to get in so they can kind of, you know, cut their cloth against people. I've been playing for almost 20 years. Last year was one of my most successful years in my two bigger leagues. I got really lucky, um, obviously, with uh, – Patrick Mahomes was a guy I stashed away for a year. That paid huge dividends for me last year in a couple of leagues. But it's just fun, and everybody's got their own way. Every year, the rules are a little bit different. So you try to change change your strategy or what where you're focusing. And Scott just does a great – how he does it, I have no idea to manage 1,200 different people. And I, I know the amount of questions he gets and, and things of that nature. But it's just fun to see everybody put their efforts towards something – that it that it does something for every for for people who that don't need it. I mean, this isn't about somebody walking away with a thirty thousand dollars paycheck. This is about a whole bunch of kids who've got nothing at least can look forward to Christmas and having something under a tree somewhere,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all for a phenomenal cause. So many of us get involved in it it's it's very, very good stuff. And like I said, I probably will make tomorrow's show about my first five rounds or so and mix in some Twitter questions for you guys too, make it a Twitter Tuesday as well. So that's just a little programming note for all you guys listening. Um, you had the tenth pick in your draft. What was your plan going into ten?
1: Um, for me, it was tight end. Uh, you know, I, I was hoping some way. I should Travis stop Bells you real seemed... quick
0: and just tell these people it's a different scoring system than most tight ends yes. situation. Can you explain that too?
1: Um, I, 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 uh, the reception, the reception points for tight ends are greater. Um, that's just weighted heavily for them. Yeah. Yes, it's weighted. You know, yeah. Like last year, we went to two quarterbacks in this, in this league. Um, this year, he decided to make tight ends a little bit more valuable. Every year, it's a little bit different. So obviously, the tight ends are the premium. Uh, Kelsey would have, was my dream scenario. Um, after that, it was George Kittle. And, but what I like about w- where he's making the tight end position heavy is if something goes wrong with the team's quarterback position, and look at the Niners as a prime example last year, they were down to their third quarterback. Who's usually the easiest guy to get the targets to the tight end. You know, it's hard to get the deeper routes to the wide receivers. You can usually work easy with the tight ends with your first quarterback, the second quarterback, the third quarterback. And, you know, Kittle's just a phenomenal player a breakout year at 24 now at 25. So you get that guy into the barn and now you just start going. And, but this is the fun thing about this league because a lot of it is based on the receiving aspect of it at any position, so your true traditional number one running backs, if they don't do much receiving, they don't carry as much weight. Like, you know, Christian McCaffrey, I know, was a, a a number one pick, a number two pick, a number three pick, and a lot of these leagues that were ran today. And it's just different and fun that way. So you, you, it changes the way you do it. It's not your typical yards and touchdowns, you know, a lot more to the PPR aspect of it. And this year would it be heavy, heavy heavily slanted to the tight ends. And me being at 110, if I'm not going to get a tight end with one of my first two picks, then I basically dismiss the whole point of how the point system is weighted this year.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. And it also, like you mentioned, it's a super flex league, so quarterbacks don't last forever either. I mean, you can start two, and it's a huge advantage when you do. Um, You mentioned you got got him at 10. I'm sitting there at 1-6. And in every league, I mean, folks, if you haven't figured this out, and even if you're not fancy folks, you can figure out, Zeke, McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, pretty much the first four picks in any league format you are. And I'm sitting there at 6 going... I, I'm either going to take Kelsey at six or David Johnson, and Kelsey went right before me, made that decision easy for me. So I think you're pretty fortunate to get him where you did.
1: Uh, yeah, I was I, w- I was holding out. You know, I have some backs I like that I think will, and there's some backs that would even went with here. But it was like you know some of the guys behind me, drafting after me. You know, Mike Blewett from Fantasy Radio was a very established player. I was like, there's no way he's going to sleep on one of these tight ends, and he actually went Ertz. Two picks after me. So I knew there was no way I was getting Kittle on the rebound or maybe even Ertz. So it was just, you know, pull the trigger. And you kind of have to play, you kind of got to draft with the guys around you. Look, you don't know them well, but if you know the guy's really established in the community and he understands the rules, you you know, your first couple, you're not gambling early. You gamble early in a league like this, it could be done, you know, really, really early. Last year I gambled on Le'Veon Bell. Remember me and you? Where we talked and we did shows, that, you know, is he really going to be there for Week One, Matt, for this Browns game? And well, everybody tells me he is, so I drafted him first. I drafted <laughs> Jarek McKinnon second. I was oh, I was done before September even got here.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I know that feeling, and uh, you know, I, I have a friends' league. I go away every Labor Day, and it's just a huge party, and we have a blast. And you can finagle those boards like. Ah, that dude's never gonna take this guy. I can wait around. I'm, I'm the, I'm actually am the smartest guy in the room in that that scenario. And this Scott Fishbowl, though, I mean, there's some sharks swimming in the fishbowl. That's for sure. Um, but no, like you yeah. have,
1: like you have friends. That if Tyreek Hill doesn't get suspended, you know you have friends that won't touch him, regardless. Right, I'm not right. And right. that guy. So, but it's like, well, I'll take the free money, guys. If you're gonna give it to me.
0: <laughs> um, I want to spin this into the Browns here in a minute. But, guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and you get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, and I've told you about Blue Chew quite a bit, but that's bluechew.com, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises, which obviously makes a lot more sense to me. Um, if you could benefit from extra functionality and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is fast and easy way to enhance your performance. It's not just for people that need it. It's for people that just want to be better. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your do- door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA and Blue Chew prepares and ships direct. They're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now we have a fanta- fantastic deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our promo code LockedOn. All you do is pay five bucks shipping, but you get much more product than five dollars worth. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is a better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Speaking of blue, Odell goes from Big Blue to your brownies. And Looking on my draft board from Scott Fishbowl, he was the fifth receiver taken in this one behind Devontae Adams, Hopkins, Thomas, Julio, and Odell went 112, and Juju went the next pick. So this guy doubled up on receivers. And I've been thinking about this, and I'm just starting to kind of look things through a fantasy lens, but I have no qualms with those dudes that went ahead of Odell. And I know that his durability hasn't been wonderful in the past. But, Jeff, I'm starting to warm up to the fact that he might go berserk in his new home. Uh,
1: I think he, I think that every possibility is there. Um, The one drawback you do have a little bit of worry about, it's not like he's not going to put up great numbers, Mm -hmm. is that what made Baker great last year was Baker found the open guy. And he did this with Jarvis Landry trying to play a number one, which he really wasn't. Uh, Rashard Higgins, you know, growing into the game, Antonio Calloway. I mean, uh, Baker Mayfield got Rashard Perriman off the streets to a one year, five million dollar Cle- deal with Cleveland. And then he backed out of it right, to the yeah. Odell deal. But he got the same deal in Tampa. Uh, Rashard Perriman was, you know, dead uh, you know, on the side of the road, essentially, as far as an NFL career. So there's going to be times where, look, if you're going to put three people on Odell, that's fine. But you're not going to cover everybody else.
0: So it's rough you, to you do get, though, with the Joku and Landry and that running exactly, game. Exactly, yeah, right. that's
1: the problem. Like, where are you going to pick your poison here? That's why um, I think it'll be really crazy. Good, Yeah. Yes. Um, you may not get the hundred catches that you got back in the day. Maybe not. Touchdowns will be there. The yards will be there. Uh, I think the efficiency
0: is going to be better. Much. Absolutely,
1: yes. he's going to you know he's going to hit for a higher percentage on the targets that he does get, and I think because of how accurate Baker is. you're going to get the joy of, hey, oh, here's a seven-yard slant. Oh, that turned into 65 yards and a touchdown. Because we all know Odell can do that. He just needs the accurate passer to hit him the ball and the numbers in space. And now he does have that. So, you know, the receptions may not be there, but the big production numbers, oh, they're going to be there in spades.
0: Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't shock me. Again, we're not just talking fantasy here, but he may be the number one fantasy receiver when it's all said and done. And maybe he doesn't catch – I don't think he'll lead the league in receptions. You know, Michael Thomas will catch more balls. Probably won't have the most targets, like you said. But, man, I mean, anyone that watched Giants games last year, there was a lot of – actually, really, the last couple of years. Frustration from Odell. How can't you get me the ball, Eli? Especially deep. And I think Baker's going to give him the ball.
1: Yeah, and the other thing, though, is with these four primetime games, and there ain't nobody who loves the lights on and all eyes are on me and also, you keep in mind that week two, he's going back to MetLife. You know, I get visions of Dion back in the day when he went to the Georgia Dome. This is my house after the game, <laughs> and you know, you know, Odell. That is that. That's going to be a special night. Uh, Tremaine Johnson, whoever else for the New York Jets. Uh, you all better wear your big boy pants that night because he is going to be coming looking for blood, and it's not even going to be the Jets' fault.
0: Yeah, uh, again, I'm really warming up to him just going bonkers this year. Um, not really keeping him fantasy-oriented, but I'm just curious what your take on the running back situation is, how touches will get divvied out, assuming everyone's healthy when uh, Hunt returns. You know How big a role do you think he has when he returns? Obviously, it could work out really well if Chubb were to fall. You still have the guy waiting in the wings who could still be the bell cow. But like, how do you think things shake out when it's all said and done with this backfield? Um, well, first things first, it, it, the running backs,
1: I mean, you know, it, and this was the tough part for Duke. Duke just wanted a straight answer. Look, because if I'm going to be here, that's fine. Let's all make sure we're on the same page. Because this is a dream scenario for any running back that's going to be lining up behind Baker Mayfield. Like we said, Odell Beckham, Njoku, Landry's going to be able to torch you from the slot. Higgins is a guy who has a great relationship with Baker Mayfield. Antonio Callaway, we haven't even mentioned showed some real deep promise as a Mm -hmm. vertical guy last year. Uh, How do you defend this? You certainly aren't worried about the run. Um, So, Nick, it should be real easy going. Obviously, Duke's going to be his only competition. So what? You know, he's going to come off the field on third downs, which there probably won't be a ton of for Duke Johnson. Then it's going to put, you know, because the the early part of the schedule is the more difficult part for Cleveland. Um, So you're going to wide your way through that. Uh, If they get through it, five and three, six and two it's gravy afterwards. And look, if, if Nick, you know, shows that, look, now you're starting to think a little bit about playoffs. All right. Well, Kareem comes in, he's 100% fresh. We'll lighten up Nick's workload here a little bit. So make sure everybody's ready for January. It'll be a little bit tricky about who you would play, but I mean, look, you know, you're just going to read the tea leaves kind of, but uh, every one of them, I mean, you're going to, you're going to want some stock in, you know, cause Kareem, If even if Nick's still going to get his ten to fifteen carries, Kareem's going to have the opportunity for those five to six receptions along with some carries. And obviously, you know he's shown to be talent-wise is never obviously not the issue with Kareem Hunt. It'll be interesting if Duke ends up staying here past the trade deadline. Um, It could be that they feel they need a piece and they have a piece they can move to get that piece, uh, knowing they'll get Kareem back. But again, you you have to make sure you get to that spot with Kareem. But they got talent in spades. I'm um, at crazy, every skill yeah. position. And and with this running back group, it's just kind of like, oh, all right, now we're gonna call the running play. Okay. And where is the defense's focus? And sh- I mean, y- you can't really not keep two four eyes on Odell. Even if you keep four eyes on David Njoku, you still not it's you're still not sure you can cover him. Um so you know, you're worried about giving up 75 yards, you're not worried about giving up seven to twelve. It should be a dream scenario for whatever running back lines up behind Baker Mayfield. They should run the ball really well. The question is, be will be how much they actually choose to do it.
0: Yeah, a couple of things you said there I just wanted to reiterate was the fresh legs comment for Hunt, I think, is really big. And even if, if things are humming, you don't have to come in and give him a lot of touches early on, ease him back in. But, like, look at his replacement, Damian Williams, and, like, I think Damian Williams is fine. And, you know, I've kind of like stashed them on my dynasty rosters here and there. But you always see running backs late in the year that have basically no touches, burst on the scene that are half the player Hunt is, and look like they're playing at a different speed than everybody else.
1: I remember years ago in one of the bigger leagues I play in, it's a 16 team league, 250 buy in. Uh, my buddy got me in. He won the championship week 17 with Lee Suggs. It was like the only game <laughs> Lee Suggs ever had in his career, and it was you know there's always that week 15, 16, 17, yeah, yeah, yeah. darling. And a lot of it is is because yeah, I barely touched the ball in three months, so yeah, I'm ready to roll. So you know, in that scenario, it, it's always fun. Like last year, I had a, you know I had some wide receiver injury issues. Dante Pettis was a promising rookie, he was wasting away my bench doing nothing. And then I needed him. I started throwing him in, and he had a great December run and made me a boatload of money in a couple of leagues.
0: Uh, Real quick question for you, and I don't even know if you know this answer, if they know this answer. Hypothetical, Chubb gets hurt week one. He's out for the year. Who do they hand the ball to until Hunt returns?
1: Uh, I think it'll be a mix. They really like Dontrell Hilliard. I'm not saying he's going to be the guy. They, they, They are really high on him, and that was part of the reason they were considering moving Duke Johnson. The problem they had is they had already extended Duke Johnson. So, you know, it's always difficult to trade somebody when you've already done the contract extension yourself. Because, you know, some people, you know, some teams are, you know, look, I don't like the money you gave them. And the Browns were asking for a round three pick. Uh, I don't like the deal you gave him, and you want a round three pick. Uh, you know, other teams will. I'll sure. take him, in the deal you gave him, but I want to give you a round five pick. So that's where this whole Duke scenario blew up. And yeah, I don't think he's got undesirable. It's no, he's not. All, but right. no team, no team likes. If I'm going to make a trade for a player, I want to give him the contract extension. Mm-hmm. I want to make it. Yeah, I don't want to give. You know, I don't want to give you a high asset. For the contract extension you already signed the player to. It, it would work out fine. I think Duke just wants to play. Um, it's great that he he doesn't get used a lot and may have a 10, 11, 12 year career in the NFL, but that's not way the way running backs are wired. Mm-hmm. They want the ball. They want, you know, he's been he been the target of the offense every year since he was probably eight years old. And now all of a sudden he's viewed as a spare part. And that's tough for a football player. It's really tough. So, but it would be him. They really like Dontrell Hilliard. Um, he, he didn't get a carry last year. The weirdest thing is he didn't get a carry, but he threw a pass. So there's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But, uh, he did well in receiving game. It was 10 catches well over a hundred yards. So I think they would go with a combo of that would, I'm not saying they wouldn't entertain or they wouldn't, you know, pre, you know, go look for something else. Yeah. But if Nick went down early, that would create some sort of scenario that they're probably not ready for. But look, Duke Johnson is established back if they do like Hilliard you can go find one of those you know, veteran hammer types, You know, the old Ruben Drones back in the day. You can find one of those guys. It should be enough to buy you through the first eight weeks, especially if you think Baker in this passing game is going to be what it's going to be.
0: Yeah, you throw a little bit more, of course. Um, I have two more topics for you, Jeff, quickies. Um, one is Browns-related. One is sticking in the AFC North, and it's not the Steelers, believe it or not. Uh, first, <laughs> I just want to let you know that today's show is also brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate-like-your-friend trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. So, a lot of positive buzz about the Browns thus far, mostly their skill position guys, and I'm certainly excited for their, what they could do production-wise. But I look at this offensive line, and for those that aren't familiar, going left to right is Greg Robinson, who I do played well, but I don't trust as far as I could throw him, and he's a heavy guy. Mm-hmm. But Tonio, I think, is a great player. Treader, I'm fine with. I think he's an above average center. I mean, he's a minus B- B-type guy. Austin Corbett, who there's potential there, but I guess I can't say I know that he's going to be a star or anything along those lines. And Chris Hubbard, who frankly was better here with Munchak than he's been, and his contract's a little high. And I don't see a lot behind these guys. I mean, Kendall Lamb, Eric Cush. Let's talk. You know, a little bit negative here. How worried are you about the tackles, the line, the depth?
1: Um, we talked about this a little bit last night, and um, you know, we were trying to do like team superlatives, and you know, for you know one we did, you know, it was you know comeback player of the year. Um, and the Browns obviously were. Very fortunate injury wise last year, so there wasn't yeah, a lot of guys. True. So uh, my my you know Pete host who does, Pete Smith who does the shows with me, he went with Christian Kirksey, which was really the only significant injury. For me, I went with Greg Robinson, and the thing was, can he come back and at least be the Greg Robinson he was last year? Because you be know what you have, right? Yes, exactly. If he's the Greg Robinson for the first four years of his career, you got yourself a major problem at left tackle. Um, so that's what you're worried about. Uh, Drew Forbes is a nice story, but let's keep in mind he's a small school kid that you drafted in the sixth round. Um, yeah, obviously you brought in a really good offensive line coach who loves to work with guys like this, but that does not mean he's going to be ready if Greg Robinson is letting people ball past him, getting a couple of holding calls by week two. you know He's not going to be ready by then. Um, the interesting one is Kendall Lamb. Um, everybody kind of poo-pooed it. And then, you know, you go to PFF, you look at the grades, and it's like Kendall Kendall Lamb and Chris Hubbard are like the, the Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man meme. They're, they're, they're the same dude. Um, he was the best player on a really crappy Houston offensive line. Um, could he push Chris Hubbard for his job? Maybe. He's a little Maybe. bit bigger. Chris Hubbard, you know, only weighs, you know, around 290 at the beginning of the season, obviously less as it goes on. Uh, <clears throat> Chris Hubbard got better as the year went on last year. But also part of that was is, you know, they got to you know, some games where the, the pass rushers weren't as good. Um, they do need Chris Hubbard to be better. Austin Corbett, you know, uh, we've had Joe Batonio on the show. Um, I've talked with Kevin Zeitler but, you know, before he left. Um, they really think Austin Corbett is going to be OK. I think the thing was is they thought maybe they would be able to use Austin Corbett at left tackle when they originally drafted him. And then that didn't work from jump, and then they were kind of like lost in the sauce because they were really good in the interior. Right. But now you had a guy you need to squeeze into the interior, but you weren't going to move any of the three solid veterans you have. I think they're going to be okay there. But if you want to say the offensive tackle position is a concern for the Cleveland Browns, that's absolutely true. Um, you need Greg Robinson to at least be the. And keep in mind, it was only you know nine ga- uh, It was only nine games Greg Robinson was out there last year. If he can be that, you're okay. Um, Chris Hubbard, you know, it, it, it can't be a slow start this year. If you're looking to contend for a division title, it can't be a slow start. You can't have your mishaps, you know, that cost a couple of games early in the year. It's not going to work out this year. And I think with Kendall Lamb, they, they feel they have insurance there that if it, Chris Hubbard doesn't work out early, they got somebody that they have some confidence in that they think they can put in and hopefully can do the job if Chris Hubbard can If, you know, everybody does well and they, they have a little depth and a couple of kids and it's going to save him some money going into 2020, that's fantastic. But yeah, right now, it's an issue.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And if, if anything were to derail this offense, I, I assume we all agree that would be it, right?
1: There's, there's no question. I mean, because yeah, right. Baker, he's smart, he's
0: decisive,
1: but he's got to have, you've got to give him at least the time he needs if, you know, obviously he's not the you know the big athletic guy where it's all right I'll just break the contain and you know do my thing and we'll, we'll you know we'll just go you know scramble drill from here that's not really Baker's style Baker it's read react open man gone and you give him his two and a half give him his three seconds um, but look there's a lot of pass rushers in this division so uh, they're gonna have to make sure they can do that
0: no doubt um, <clears throat> I teased it before Last thing I want to bring up and this isn't in your wheelhouse but it's in the division I just want to bring it up because I've been watching more Lamar Jackson over the last few weeks. And for those of you that don't pay attention to or are new here, he was my number one quarterback in that class. Now, I'm the first to say that I was probably wrong about that. I mean, I'm not saying I'd rather have Lamar than Darnold or Baker. I mean, that's for sure. But I also, after watching him again... I think he got a little bit of a bum rap for the way he threw the football this year. It wasn't as bad as I originally thought. And going back and watching some of his tape, I think the that the, the, the common folk out there listening might be sleeping on what a weapon Jackson can be. Because just a year ago, I was jumping on my skin with the guy, and he improved as a passer really every year in college. So... I just want, you know, Browns fans, the AFC North and yourself, you know, to kind of weigh in on that and just think about how good that offense could be if he's an average thrower. Um we talked about this before. I was I was
1: a Lamar Jackson fan and yeah. the thing I didn't like last year with Baltimore is kind of what they did with him. It's it, 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 look, he's not a toy. He's a quarterback. It's a yeah, exactly. It's a great thing that he, he, he can run. It's a great thing, and it bails you out of a lot of situations. But it, 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 they almost did him a disservice last year. Um, and I think the best thing you saw with him last year, and it wasn't even the regular season. It wasn't even the fact that they hosted a playoff game. I think that you what you saw was the Chargers said, all right, your somewhat wildcat offense you're trying to run. We found it's a way to shut the hell down. What are you going to do now? And, you know, you remember the game. There was Joe Flacco. You're going to me. You're not going to me. And what did they, what did they have to do? They were down by 20. They had no choice. They had
0: to let the kid throw. Yeah. And he, he started making some big-time throws. They need to played really well at the end of throw. that game. That gets forgotten. Exactly. He was ugly. and We all were yes. watching at the beginning. But he, play, he sucked it up, and he played really well. I think he's mentally tough, and I think he's a better passer than people think.
1: Yes, and you went out, and obviously, you know, you get him a guy like Hollywood Brown, which I think was a great, great addition yeah. because you can run. I mean, there's so many play action scenarios you can run with, even if Lamar's going to keep it or whatever. And Hollywood Brown, as long as his health stays with him, he's going to blow past people. Um, I think that's a great addition. Um, and obviously, you have the tight ends, and, and, and everybody kind of teases about all the tight ends they have, but these guys are pretty athletic. So they can do some good things between the hash marks, between the seams, they get down the field quickly. Just don't baby him. Um, you look, I mean, I think Buffalo did more with Josh Allen than Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson. And th- that seemed to me just, like, so wrong on so many levels. Let the kid play. Figure out what you got. Um, you Look, uh, you know, the Mannings, every ball Eli and Peyton threw, wasn't the prettiest ball you ever saw. But you know what? A lot of them got where they needed to be to the two to four Super Bowls. It's not always so much about pretty. Let the kid throw the ball. Let's see what the results are at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. I'm really high on Mark Andrews. I've been saying I think he's going to lead the team yep. in receptions. You mentioned the tight ends. They do a really good job of using those tight ends in the passing game, for easier throws, and in the running game, creating great geometry on the field, blocking angles, easier throws for him. And you mentioned Brown as a compliment on the outside. I mean, I think this offense is going to be middle of the road. And you give Harbaugh, you know, not that not that great of ingredients, he's going to take you to the playoffs. I think it's a really strong organization and coach. And I think people are sleeping on the Ravens a little more. And I think I was, and I'm waking up to it.
1: Yeah, and it's actually kind of funny that, uh, you know, what should be two of Lamar's top weapons going further in his career were two of Baker's
0: college weapons. Yeah, right. Crazy. <laughs> Dude, this was a blast. Where can everyone find you? I'm sure they're already on it besides Locked On Browns, but Jeff's the best. He's one of my favorite guests, and I will be back tomorrow. Jeff, what, what's going on with you?
1: Um, obviously, you know, the Locked On Browns, Twitter sure. account, we keep that follow back as we, uh, you know, anywhere, you know, f- we try to go almost go every day. Look, but th- the thing is, if you can put out quality content, go ahead and you sit down and you know, record some stuff. Um, but, you know, with the summer and everything going on, and, you know, there's just not enough topics, you don't want to create, you know, you know as you know, Matt said earlier, you don't want to create content. Uh if it's there, then go ahead and run with it. But uh, uh me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, go ahead and throw a follow over there. Uh, I'm just really looking forward to it. And I you know, it's you know, you look at, you know, the AFC on a whole, AFC South, I think a lot of it is down. Uh the AFC West looks pretty good. The AFC East, for now, we all still believe it's probably a one team show. AFC North should be pretty spicy this year, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, you're hundred percent right. Folks, that's a wrap over and out.